Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome our Appleton campus, online campus, Germantown campus? <laughs> wherever you are this morning, wherever you're waking up from, or if we're watching us online, we are so delighted that you're with us and, uh, and that you're here and that you're a part of what God's doing. And uh, so, uh, good week. No? Yes? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, and I, I love March because it can snow like 60-something inches on Monday, and it's gone. Hallelujah. Thank God. And that's not even global warming. That's just tis the season. So like tomorrow starts spring, right? You guys know that? So it's time to walk, bring, bring in my white bucks, no socks. I got socks on today, a little bit, some argyles going on. But uh, <laughs> got to keep my feet warm because it's still winter. I know. I don't show too much leg on that one. But uh Anyhow, so it's good. I, I had to fly to Oklahoma City. I was speaking in, in uh, Oklahoma City on Tuesday and then back. So it was like an overnight deal. And, and, and typically it takes me uh, from Germantown to um, the airport to Mitchell. It's about 30 minutes. I can do it in about 25. Don't tell anybody. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm filtering right now so much you have no idea. And it depends on the time of the day. But the, the longest it's ever taken me, like 15 years, is, is 45 minutes. And it was a crazy wreck and crazy whatever and da 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 It was an hour and a half Monday morning, you know, with all the crazy weather that was going on. And, then, of course, everything's delayed and da 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 And then uh, I get back on Tuesday, everything's great. That's what I love about Wisconsin, man. You don't like the weather one day, just wait, it'll change. And uh, so, uh, anyhow, it's great to have you today. And we're continuing this series on margins. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you when we get there. Um, but uh, I want to talk about the whole idea of, we talked about what margin is last week. And just to kind of recap some of that, you know, to, to kind of give you an idea. A margin-less lifestyle, or if you are living life with no margin... Um, you uh, basically find yourself fatigued, constantly, you know, a day late and a dollar short. Uh, you find yourself in a hurry, anxiety-ridden, stress-ridden, uh, out of money, uh, always running late, always running late. If you're a person that always runs late, you don't have any margin. Because if you consistently run late, you can consistently run on time. I know that's a deep thought, so let me let that sink in. But that's it. And it's really about how we live life and do life. A life full of margin is a life where you kind of live life in the black ink. You, you, you've got some extra. Uh, there's a calmness. There's a peace. There's a security. Uh, there is money in the bank. And, and you actually tend to run on time, maybe even a little early, uh, you got enough time to run by Starbucks and get a cup of coffee before you're on your way to your next meeting. That's what it, like, it feels like to have margin. We all have days or seasons where there is no margin. And, but the, really, the way God sets it up is how he wants us to live is to live life with margin. 
And so um, margin in Scripture, when you find Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, it talks about this subject. It uses the word rest, that margin is rest. And so when you see Jesus says, come to me and you'll find rest, come to me and you'll find margin, it's interchangeable. We talked about this last weekend. And again, if you weren't able to be here, and I'll, I'll kind of allude to that because that was kind of a foundational um, message. You can go online at lifechurchwi.com, see the messages, download the podcast. It's on iTunes, da 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 all that. But uh, God practiced as the creator, an example for us as his creation, of six days he worked and one day he rested. And the day that he rested, he called it the Sabbath. It was holy. It was set apart. It was sanctified. And, um, and so the reality is, is that's how God in- wired us to work. And so when the Creator wires us, the creation, we work best that way. We do work best when we work. Uh, people that don't work don't last long. Um, you, you, you're, 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 your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit, you need to have a battle of conquest. You need to have something that gets you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night. You need to have something worth fighting for. You, 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 you need to have this. It, it's, it's, it's imperative. I mean, right now, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm finishing up with some, with some doctoral course load of work, and, and I'm beginning to write my dissertation. And, and my dissertation is all on how tension in the life of a leader actually formed them. Harvard University is doing some major studies on this that it talks about that if you run away, abdicate, or flee from tension in your life, you A, don't accomplish anything, but B, you really self-implode. But if you will lean into the tension, if you'll lean into what's going on, and if you'll work through that, it actually is like a crucible that creates a certain DNA in every single person and every single leader that actually brings them to the pinnacle of what they're designed and created to do. It's interesting. I love how science and education, even at the highest levels, actually confirms the Word of God. That's part of what I'm, I'm talking about in this deal. This is true. So I'm not talking about an absence of tension or an absence of, of, of going after something or, or sometimes dealing with conflict and having a rough day. I'm talking about how do you live in the midst of all of that to accomplish what God's called you to accomplish, whether it's in the marketplace or it's in vocational ministry, and to achieve what that is without losing your mind in the process. Because we know it's possible. Paul says it's possible to win the entire world, have a worldwide ministry, and lose your own soul. How do you do that? You don't have any margin. How do we, whether it's in business, whether it's in sports, whether it's in education, whether it's in family, whether it's in finance, whether it's in our own internal emotional security and sanity, or in ministry, doing the good work of Jesus, how do we keep margin? I want to talk about how to schedule that, how that actually works in your life. Because we get that we know we should, we understand about the Sabbath, blah, 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 blah. But tell me how to do it. I'm so glad you asked that question. So let me go back to a foundational thought. Dr. Richard Swenson, who's a medical doctor, actually lives in, in Madison, uh, Wisconsin, uh, wrote a great book called Margin. Oh, it's real simple. And, uh, but, but he gave this, this, this equation and a clinical psychological definition of what margin is and how to produce it. And so I want to walk from there, there right, right into Scripture. So here's the equation that he gives. Power minus load equals margin. Power minus load equals equals margin. I'm going to define these terms. Power minus load equals margin. If you want to have margin, 
you have to have, you, you have power, but you've got a minus the load, therefore equally margin. So what's power? Power is capacity. Every one of us are born with a different capacity. That's you. You don't really get to determine that. That's why it's not load minus power or, power or, 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 or to increase power. Because it's like this cup right here. It's a 12-ounce cup. I can pour 24 ounces into it, but guess what's going to happen? It's going to spill over because it can only hold 12 ounces. It can hold a little bit more now that I just took that drink, right? But it can only hold what it can hold. And this is you. This is me. Every one of us come into this world with a different capacity. Every one of us come into this world with a different power ability. And mine's not yours and yours not mine. That's the reason why God doesn't judge me based on your gifts and your strengths and, and your weaknesses. He judges me based upon me. It's all about me with him. It's not about you. It's not about how I compare to somebody else. Thank God I don't have to live up to being Billy Graham. That's not what he called me to do. But I do have to live up to the ability that he called me to. So that's, that's power. It's my capacity. It's the container. It's me. Load is my content. It's what I put into me. It, it's, 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 it's the content. It's what fills the container. And I get to choose. That's the beautiful part. I get to choose. I'm not a rock'em, sock'em robot. God doesn't co control me from some heavenly cosmic joystick. Uh, 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 he, he, he allows me to pick what I'm going to put in here. And he gives me some instruction and gives me some counsel. But the reality is if I take the 12-ounce container that I've been given and I keep pouring 16 ounces in, I'm going to spill over and over and over and over and over and therefore never have any margin. And anytime I'm bumped, anytime I'm moved, anytime there's something that's unsuspected, I will spill out, therefore losing part of what I'm trying to retain. But if I will stay within the margins of how God's created me and designed me within my power limit, then I will be able to not only hold that which God's given me, but I'll be able to make sure that when things come and when it moves and when it tips and when it spills, that there's no spillage, that I'm actually at because I have margin in my life. That's emotionally. You get around someone that just gets explosive all the time, they have no margin emotionally. They're at the end of their rope. You have somebody that all the time is a driver, they're flipping somebody off on the freeway all the time. Not even some of the time you should, but I know you feel that way. I thought about that when I said that. Um, it, it's their it's road rage. It's because there's no margin. There's either no margin in the amount of time that they've given themselves to get from point A to point B. There's no margin in their emotional ability. There's something that's there. It, it, it's just, it's mar and so who controls that? God doesn't control that. You control that. You have no choice over the power content that you have in your life, but you have complete and total control over what fills that. So let's talk about that. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30, this talks completely about this. Jesus is speaking to this subject matter. And um, he says this in verse number 28 of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you margin. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You will find margin for your soul. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard that verse. You've maybe memorized that verse. You know that verse. And here's what we think cognitively. We just kind of go, well, okay, I get it. You know, Jesus, if I follow Jesus, everything's going to be all right. 
<laughs> no. Because how many of you follow Jesus and you still live marginless lives? Here's the problem. The problem is, is that, is that I have to understand how this margin thing works and how I get it in my life. I have to understand what this passage really means. I have to understand what it's really saying. I have to understand historically when Jesus is speaking in the first century, what are they hearing? I have to understand the context in which it's being spoken, and I have to understand the application. That whole process of the, of the historical, uh, the, the theological ramifications and the applications, that's what theologians would call exegesis. I have to exegete. If you're an English teacher, you'll get this. I have to diagram the sentences. It's that, it's, I know, welcome to this class, right? So we all love diagramming sentences, don't we? Okay, anyhow, so that's your English teacher. God bless you. We, we love it, not really. So, but that's what you have to do with the passage. And what we do, though, most of the time is we read the Bible. Like we read a book or a novel or a newspaper, and we skim through it, and we go, okay, yeah, yeah, Jesus is the answer. Yes, he is, but how is he the answer? I grew up in church where Jesus is the answer. Glory to God, praise God, and get your shout on and go and write and da-da-da-da and let's sing and let's go. And then you walk out and go, I don't know how to do that. I just know what, I don't know how it works. Well, I want to talk about how it works for a minute. So let me start here. This passage, Jesus declares, not just to the disciples, but he is speaking also to the religious leaders of the day, that Jesus is the giver of margin. If you want to have margin in your life, then be a Christ follower. If you want to have margin in your life, be a Christ follower. Can you have margin in your life without Jesus? Yes, but you will never have margin completely. Because he says he doesn't just give margin to you physically or mentally or emotionally, but he gives it to your soul. And without him, there is no margin for your soul. But if you have margin in your soul, it allows you to have margin in every other single part of your life. Just because you're a great time manager, which is an external piece of managing time, which is kind of an oxymoron in, in essence, because nobody really manages time. We just kind of ride it. But I will never have rest for my soul, margin for my soul, apart from relationship with God. If God truly is who the Bible says he is, if he's the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he's the creator of you and me, and he loved me and you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, that if I would accept him, I'll have eternal life. I will have rest for my soul. I'll have peace that passes understanding. That's the basis of margin. That's the most fundamental core piece of margin. And from that, then I began to build every part of my life. Here's the problem. Many of you say, well, I'm a Christ follower, man. And I, I got Jesus and Jesus and I, man, we're cool and everything's good and it's all that. And so at the end of the day, I don't have margin. I was late to church today. Yelling at my kids, no margin. I haven't flipped anybody off on the traffic this week, but about two weeks ago I, I did. And I asked the Lord to forgive me. He forgave me. But I, you know, I, I don't have any margin. So that doesn't work. That's just one of those Sunday answers that he's going to give. Here's the problem with that. When you come to Christ, when you come to faith in Christ, you have a choice and a decision. Is Jesus going to be an add-on, an extra? Like, uh, oh, yeah, I'll have power windows for my car. Or, you know what, with that value meal, could I get a, could I get a medium frosty? Make that chocolate. <laughs> Y'all like fr Wendy's frosties? I love them. So anyhow, matter of fact, I was preaching about this last night, and I went and got ice cream. Because I just, I start saying things, and then it's faith. And I speak things that are not as though they are, and then they become sight after service. <laughs> Happens every time. I was at Chick-fil-A twice this week, because I preached about it last week. Anyhow, so... My, my point to you is, is that what happens is, is we treat Jesus like, hey, it just, I'm going to check a box. 
And he's this extra thing in my life. When if you read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, that's not how this thing rolls. Unless you surrender your whole self and you're willing to forsake everything else for the cause of Christ, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Isn't that what Jesus said? He goes on to some crazy statements. Like, unless you're willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Unless you're willing to walk away from mother and, and, and father and sister and brother and everything you have in this world, you're not willing to be my disciple. And the Bible says when Jesus said these words, many people left him. And he looked at the 12 and he says, are you going to leave me too? Because if you really want to have this life that's in a rhythm and in a balance from your soul to your emotions to your mental to the way you live and do life in the external, Jesus can't be an upgrade. He can't be like heated seats in your car. He can't be like, you know what, I'll have a Frosty with my value meal. He, he can't be something that you just add on, that you just do on Sunday. I wish it was that easy, because if it was that easy, man, you want to talk about me giving you one hour a week? Check. That's easy. I can check that box every day. It doesn't require much of me. It requires an hour of my time. And I'm a busy guy that I'd much rather write you a check than give you an hour of my time. But at the end of the day, that's not what he calls me to. He calls me to lose myself and him. He says that if I want to be first, I got to be last. If I want to be served, I've got to be servant of all. If I want to find my life, I've got to be willing to lose it. And then he goes and dies for me as an example of what it's going to take for me emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and maybe even physically in this world. That's why you can't just add Jesus on. So when Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, this is how this works. It's your choice. It's your choice. You choose. The subject, the inferred subject of that grammatical statement is you. God will not make you do this. He will not force you to do this. He is a gentleman. Life is about choices. I teach my kids this. I live by this. You cannot do everything in life, but you can do anything. I cannot do everything, but I can do anything. And the sum total of the choices in my life is where I am today. You have what you have today because those are choices that you made. And quite frankly, you have what you have today because that's what you can handle. If you can handle the pay raise and the promotion, you'd have it. You may not like that statement. I may not like that statement. But the reality is, is I am a sum total of the choices that I make. I go to the gym. I talk to the trainer. The trainer says, I need you to do this and this and this. I said, man, I want to look like that guy walking right there that's just, oh, that. I want to be able to, I want to look so good, I could take my shirt off on Sunday morning and preach. Holla! That's what heaven will be like for me. It ain't going to happen, don't worry about it. God, maybe a little plastic surgery. If you're a plastic surgeon here, I'm going to talk to you. A little nip-tuck. Anyhow, so, I'm filtering so much you have no idea. And then he looks at me and says, okay, we can do that, Mr. Cole. But let's talk about the 10,000 calories a day you like to consume, because you are not Michael Phelps. Can we get it down to six? N no, Mr. Cole, we need you on a 1,500-calorie-a-day diet. What? You see, that's what we do. 
It's my choice. I can have a body like that guy right there. I can have that job. I can get there. I can do, but I have to make choices. And so when you talk about choices, think about this for a second. How's that working for you? Do you like the choices that you've made? The destination, the place that you're at right now, you pleased? Because some of us, what we've done is we try to put one foot over here in the world and one foot over here with Jesus, and we treat Jesus like an add-on, and we want all the benefits of the Bible, but we really don't want to live the life. Hey, don't pray for what you're not willing to pay for. Oh, my God, somebody called me a taxi. I'm telling you, it's good. Don't, don't pray. Don't sit there and go, oh, God, bless my finances, bless my finances, when you're not willing to do it the way he tells you to do it, which is to honor him first and then put something back and pay yourself second and then live on 80%. You can't just swipe your way to happiness and get there. It's your choice. Don't talk about the body that you want when you, you, you're, you're having a Big Mac filet of fish, quarter pounder, French fries, Coke, thick shake, Sunday apple pie, and a small Diet Coke for lunch. I got to move on. Secondly, he says, you got to learn from Jesus. He says, come to me and learn. Verse 29 says, learn from me. What are we learning? He says, because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. What does that mean? Because we read that and we think, well, it's some little emaciated Jesus that's going to blow away in a windstorm. You know, you've seen the pictures on the back of the funeral fans where he's just all white. First of all, Jesus wasn't white. He was Middle Eastern. Let's just get that right, okay? Some of you are going to get to heaven and go, what? <laughs> he didn't look like that in the German Lutheran church. No, baby, he didn't. <laughs> Better get used to it. And then he's just all wispy. Like, he's soft and he's holding this little lamb. First of all, have you ever held livestock? That is a crazy mess. Think about Jesus. He's a carpenter, construction worker. You've been around a construction site? Oh, hi, how are you? No. When they were building this building here at Germantown campus, there were men that used words in this room that we will never use again. These guys would drop a hammer and punch you in your mouth? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? He's a carpenter. There's nothing wispy about him. There's nothing emaciated about him. There's nothing white about him. <laughs> I, I'm just, I mean, think about that. Like, like if you, you know, and Jesus spent 30 years on, on the planet, like, before he ever went public with his ministry. He's a carpenter. He's having to live. Could, could you imagine, like, if all of a sudden, you know, Jesus had been the carpenter that built the cabinets in your, in your new kitchen? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's what he did. Like, you would hire him to come in and build this way. You build, have someone, a finished mill worker, come in and build. Like, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice if you go to say your house? We have color appliances, granite countertops, and, our, and all of our mill work was built by Jesus Christ, the Messiah and the Savior of the world. <laughs> So what does it mean when it says he's gentle and he's humble of heart? It's a reference to what Philippians talks about. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Jesus, being made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of a man, being found in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on the cross. So in verse 29 says, 
Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart. It's speaking of his humanity. Why is that important in this conversation? Because sometimes we talk to God like he doesn't get us. Like he's never walked in our shoes. Like he's never done a secular job or did physical blue-collar work or had to deal with high-capacity leaders in government or in business. They didn't have to pay taxes. But when you read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the, humani- the humanity of Jesus. You see a man who the Bible says was tempted and tried in every way that you and I are, yet without sin. You see a man who has had to pay taxes, because he talks about that with the disciples. You see a man who had to physically work by his hands, and he ate based upon the work of his hands, which means he had to be good at what he did. You see a man who was brilliantly smart, because even the religious elect of the day who crucified him called him rabbi, which was the highest level in their system. You see of a man who could have been wealthy beyond words because of his following was greater than any of the other rabbis in the rabbinical system at that time. Yet he chooses to say, even the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. You see a man who who people loved, whether they were on the inside or the outside. You see a man who does all of these things, yet repetitively over and over again. He's with the crowd and he's ministering, but he pulls away because he must find rest. He tells the disciples, we've been ministering all day long. We've got to go find rest. You see a man who constantly is asking God, why do I have to do this? And what's going on? You see a man who cries over the death of his friend, Lazarus. You see a man who looks at the city and sees the plight of humanity and goes, God, why is a city so segregated? Why is it such in disarray? Why is there such political unrest? Why is this world this way? You see a man who before he goes to fulfill the very thing in which he's called and created to do says, God, if there's any way, let this pass from me. So when Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden and you're burdened and I will give you rest, He's saying, I understand what you're going through. I get it. I get the workplace. I get the church place. I get the physical fatigue. I get the mental fatigue. I get the frustration with people. I get the compassion of losing someone who's close to you. I get all of this. That's why Hebrews says we have a great high priest in Jesus who's touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. That when we go before him, we can go before the throne of grace boldly. That never happened prior to Christ. We can go before it boldly and obtain mercy and grace at any time and any hour because we have one who 1 John says is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because he knows how hard it is to live this life. And he's looking at them and go, if you'll just follow me. I get it. I understand it. So he says, life with margin should look like two things. First, he talks about the yoke. He says, my yoke is easy. This is verse 30, and my burden is light. To the Jew hearing this in the first century, they would have understood this. The yoke is what they called the Torah. It's what they referred to as the law of God. 
Just in the 21st century vernacular, it would be all the do's and don'ts of the Bible. You see, every rabbi would have had a particular type of teaching. Um, so they all taught the Torah, but they would have a, a revelation or a, new, a, a nuance to it that would be like, wow, I really, or they would speak it in such a way that was, that was more powerful or more interesting, or they would get it. It's not much, it's not really unlike denominations today or even churches today. Man, I go to such and such church because that guy really brings it. And I go over here because I really get this. And I go over here because it just really, that's how it was. This is not a new thing. This isn't a new American thing with denominations. It's just how we are as people. And so when Jesus spoke, he was telling them, look, if you will do it the way I'm telling you to do it, the yoke following the Torah, the do's and don'ts of the Bible, it's easy. I didn't write that word. But if you go back to the original language to the Greek, easy means it's unencumbersome. It's simple. It's understandable. So yoke is that the expectation should be simple. So if I will do it Jesus' way, then the expectations will be simple. They'll be understandable. That's the reason why I don't understand preachers that make the Bible complicated. The only reason why they do that is because, number one, they're very poor communicators, and number two, they're not as smart as they sound that they are. People that are highly intelligent make very big cerebral ideas very understandable. That's, a, that's what a teacher does. That's what Jesus did. That's the reason why they said this man teaches unlike any other rabbi we've heard. Because he takes the Torah, he takes the yoke, he takes the thing that feels so encumbersome, and he makes it simple in a way in which I get it and I can do it. The yoke that Jesus taught was real simple. He says, if you'll love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you'll love your neighbor as you love yourself, you will fulfill the yoke. You will fulfill the Torah. You will fulfill the law of God. All the same thing. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Add to the heart. And love each other the way you love yourself. Because you love yourself. You know you do. I know some of you got up and you looked at yourself in the mirror today and you go, man, you are one good-looking person. Uh, and those of you that aren't laughing, that's the, ones that you, that's the people that said it. And if we would just love other people the way we love ourselves, because guess what? I'm going to take care of me. Me is not going to go hungry. Me is not going to be hom homeless. Me is going to be taken care of. I know that's not grammatically correct, but you understand. And Jesus says, if we'll take care of other people that we don't even know the way we do ourselves, we'll fulfill the yoke. They'd never heard teaching like this before. And the second thing he says is that the burden is light. The burden is light. The burden is the load that we carry. See, so the yoke is me. It's my capacity. It's my, my power to use Dr. Swenson's equation of power minus load equals margin. And the burden is, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the content. It's the weight. He said it should be light. What does that mean? That means that the expectation should be doable. This is, not, this is not something that's beyond my ability. It's within my realm. It's within my grasp. So Jesus is saying, look, if you will simply follow me, the yoke will be easy. It'll be simple. And the burden will be light. It'll be doable. If you want to act like Jesus is an add-on, you're going to have a crazy hot mess of a life, and then you're going to come in, and you're going to try to add him into that, and then you're going to get mad and frustrated and go, well, the church doesn't work, and God doesn't work. No, 
you're not working. It's not God. It's not the church. It's not me. Blame it on anybody you want to blame it on. People that have problems never blame themselves. People that are winners and are successful always take responsibility first. It's real simple. I learned this a long time ago. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Something doesn't happen, you own it if you're a leader. If you're a follower, you whine, you complain, and you point to everybody else. It's okay. Winners keep winning. Losers keep losing. But if you are doing that, you're only hurting yourself. No, 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 no. It's I got to do it his way all the way or not at all. So how do I make this happen on Monday morning? So glad you asked. I'm going to land the plane with this. Jesus teaches it this way about this easy yoke and light burden. Matthew 6, he says these words. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. So the first thing you have to do is, first of all, make sure that this vertical relationship with God's intact. It's the most important thing you're going to do. My vertical has to be intact. Put him first. Not my family, not my job, not my school, not my wants, not my wishes, not my pleasure. Him. And when I put him first, then if I do it that way, that's what it means to follow him. If I do it that way, the yoke will be easy and the burden will be light. What we do in life is we take care of all these things and occasionally we take care of him. We, we, we take care of our job and our family and all of us and then occasionally we get to him. We take care of all these things and occasionally we get to him. And the problem with that is, is that I take care of all these things and then I try to add Jesus as an add-on. No, 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 no. It cannot be horizontal first, vertical second. It has to be vertical first, horizontal second. I take care of my relationship with God first. Then I'm able to deal with my family. Then I'm able to deal with my calling. Then I'm able to deal with my career. I'm able to deal with my finances. I'm able to deal with the pleasures in life. I'm able to, to, to do the other things that I want to do. But when I reverse the order, which is what we typically tend to do, because we're about all these different things, that's when I get messed up. So let me illustrate this today. I think this is the easiest way to do this is just to kind of do an, ob an old school object lesson where you just kind of get it. So we go back to what Swenson says about, about the equation of how to get margin, and we integrate that with what Jesus says in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. So Swenson says that it's power, which is you, minus control, which is the load that you carry, equals margin. So we begin with, I'm only so big. I only, have so much, I only have so much capacity. And I don't get to determine this. I'm born with this. I may discover this, but this is who I am. This is, this is it. Now, I can do a lot, but if I'll do it God's way instead of my way. And here's what my way typically tends to look like. So I got, I got the big issues of life. I've got, I've got serving God. I've got, I've got my family. I've, I've got my job, my, my career, my calling, the, the big things in life. Then I have other issues in life which are smaller. These, these are more like, hey, I want to get to this. You know what? I want to improve my golf game. And guess what? There's a new restaurant I want to eat at. That's important in my world. And, and then, I, you know, I, I want to be able to, to put this back and to save this. And, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'd like to be able to, to get that car. And, and you know what? Eventually, it wouldn't be nice. It'd be nice to be able to, to get that house. And you know what? I'd like to set up and do something. That's these other issues. 
these other things I got to do, priorities. I, I got to get to this. I got to get to that. I got to, I got to make time for this. Thing. And then there's issues that are just small, man. These are like everyday stuff. Like, you know, man, I got to make sure I get the oil changed. I got to make sure that you know, I get to the dentist. I got to make sure that I get that routine checkup. I need to make sure that, you know what, I need to go by and see Fred. I got to get to this and I got to do this. It's all these things. But then there's also things that are just really fine. This is all stone. This is really fine. It's, it's the sand stuff. And, and, and what happens is this is all the immediate. This is all the urgent. This is all the, man, I got up late today, and you know what, man, I, I, I'm running behind, and this is Facebook, which is <laughs> that's a lot for a lot of you, and this is social media, and, and this is, you know what, I, I got and, and, and you know what, I, I've got to run over here and over there, and, and, and so-and-so just asked me, because sometimes we have a hard time saying no, and so what we typically tend to do is we wake up late, and we're always running behind, and so our life, we just kind of began with all these immediate things. The dog just puked in the floor in the kitchen. I got to clean it up. The kids. They're, they're crazy. I can't find Johnny's socks and Sally's shoes, and I'm going to kill these kids. God help me. You know, some of you feel that way. I got all this stuff. Well, I got to get on Facebook, girl. I got to let everybody know everything is good in my world because I'm having a great hair day today. And I got to do all this stuff. And so we start and we do all this stuff. And then we go, well, okay, I got that. But, but if I got that, then, you know, oh, yeah, man, on church on Sunday, you know, I'm supposed to be able to, to kind of do this big thing. And, and I'm going to do that. And then, oh, yeah, man, I want to, yeah, I want to finish strong in my family and all of that. And then, and then I got over here. I got to get this. And I'm already out. And I haven't even gotten to these other things. And there's no way that the content of this can all get inside of this. We don't have any margin. Why? Because guess what? Instead of doing it God's way, we did it our way. And our way is this is all about me and all the big issues I got to deal with in life and blah, 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 blah. So what if God really knows what he's talking about? What if Jesus really is the creator of the heavens and the earth and the fullness thereof? What if all this really works this way? Let's do it God's way. So I start with my container. Let me move it right to here. This may be a little easier to do it so you can see it this way. So I start with my container, and that's me. That's how I'm born. And I go, you know what? I'm going to put God first in my life. I'm going to put my family second. And I got a career and a calling because I'm not just going to relegate my life to trading days for dollars. I'm going to do something. So I'm going to come in here and I'm going to take care of the big things. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, then all these things should be added unto me. I'm going to do this. I still have all these things to accomplish. I don't get to take anything off the table, but I got this big thing handled first. Then I'm going to go to the next. These are important things that have to be done. These are clients that have to be met. These, these are things that I need to be able to handle. And, and so I'm going to be able to get in here, and I'm going to begin to, to take care of these. And you know what? I need to do some, on, some, some, some onboarding. I'm going to do some continuing education, and, and, and I want to begin to plan for some things. You know what? There's some books and some reading and some things I want to develop. And, and guess what? I need to close a deal over here. And, and, and right now I'm working with HR to hire some more people onto the team and, and that kind of a deal. I, I've got, whoa, i got some other things that are happening in my world, and, and I'm just going to come over here, and I'm just going to just take, and I'm just going to get all these things in there, so I got that done. Okay, God, thank you. I put you first, put family second, put my career third, and here's all the other little things that are supporting all the things that I do, and I got to come in here, and I just got to go, okay, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, give it some time, God, I'm trusting, I'm doing it your way, Lord, I'm going to do it all your way, because I want to be able to make sure that I keep margin in my life, and then... That'd be great if life didn't happen, right? But this represents that life happens, and it does. It rains on the just and the unjust. The water heater goes out. 
Kids are driving you nuts. All that stuff's going on. Something happens. So I'm going to do it God's way, and I'm going to take care of this stuff last. And so what I'm going to do by doing this is I'm just going to trust that if I will do it God's way, if I'll come to him, his yoke will be easy and his burden will be light, and there's a way that I can get to where I want to get to if I'll do it God's way. Because the other way of dealing with all the immediate me stuff first and then trying to throw some priorities in, there's no way. I will overflow so quickly. But if I do it God's way, guess what? Not only do I get everything accomplished that I need to get accomplished, but I do it, and I still have margin left. Because I didn't do it my way, I did it his way. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him in all of my ways, and he'll guide and direct my paths. And you see people who live life this way, it's because they're not doing it their way. They're doing it his way. Margin. Margin.